five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are reviewing Star Trek Lower Decks, Where Pleasant Fountains Lie. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, slash Trekkies, starting with none other than Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing, man? I am doing good, man. Having some uh, technical difficulties out here in the Delta Quadrant, but uh, other than that, I'm good, man. How about yourself? Doing well, man. Doing well. I don't blame you for the technical difficulties. That's my fault for trying something new. <laughs> no, no, not your fault. It was. It's probably an IDTNT error, so it's okay. Also on the podcast, we have Cal Jones. How you doing, man? You know, Jonathan, I think I just infected your Delta Quadrant system with my technical difficulties that I experienced last week. So sorry for that. But for tonight, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be on the podcast with the two of you. So can't wait to talk about this episode. How about you, Clarence? How are you? I don't know if I can't wait to talk about this episode, but at least I'm talking with you guys. So I'm sure it's going to be fun. And we have our listeners listening in. So hopefully they can have fun as well as we try to dissect this episode of <laughs> Lord X. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek and somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, please leave a review like and also subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening on. Guys, if you're listening on iTunes, we would really love it if you can go and leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. It really helps us. And if you're listening on an iOS device, please, please go in and leave us a review. Again, we'd really appreciate it. Now it's time for our new segment called Trek Trivia. Trek Trivia is where we ask a burning Trek-related question answered by us or directly through user feedback. Jonathan... What was our last question, and can you help us out on what the answer may be? So the question was, we all, well, we all mostly know the uh, four original species that signed the United Federation of Planets original charter, Andorians, Tellarites, Vulcans, and humans. There was actually a fifth that we did not know about. And what was it? Did you guys come up with an answer or guess? I kind of looked it up, so I cheated. But, uh. I, I, but, it, but even <laughs> even though I still don't remember what the answer was, like we didn't have anybody write in and give us the answer. But still, I have a little issue with this question. It's a reach. I'll give you that. It's a reach. <laughs> and it'll take some serious fandom, but it's there. All right. So the fifth member, the signed UFP, United Federation of Planets Charter, was Alpha Centauri. So this was actually in when I told you a good uh I give you a hint newspaper. Mm-hmm. So in Star Trek Generations, there and don't get me to lying to you about and I had to go back and watch it, uh there was at a desk or somewhere, there was a newspaper article on the desk, like framed up like an antique, and it was the headline about the UFP being signed, and it listed all of the signing species and it listed alpha centauri as one of them it was also mentioned the name of that newspaper was it's federation day no that was the name of the book you're probably thinking about uh it was listed in star charts in that book there's also a starfleet technical manual that was on one episode of enterprise that also showed a glimpse of the five members original members of the ufp good question 
it got me for sure. And I'm, I'm that's definitely something <laughs> people probably had to go look up unless they're, you know, deep in the trick lore like you. Do you have a question for this week before we get into our review? So this one is really going to stump you guys. So first, just a little bit of history. I'll try to make this quick. So we all know what the Vulcan hand salute is, correct? Yeah, the Vulcan salute. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The Spock salute, you know, little two fingers on either side, you know, each evenly symmetrical. All right. So that was actually devised by Leonard Nimoy. It was based on a gesture made by various Jewish denominations, and it was as it actually forms a Hebrew letter, which is Shin, which... Represents the title Shaddai, which I'm probably pronouncing that terribly, which means almighty or God. Yeah, El Shaddai. Yeah, yeah, El Shaddai. Yeah, I'm familiar. Gotcha. Well, that that's where that came from. That was Leonard Nimoy's. He thought that maybe the Vulcans needed something unique to greet each other to kind of set them apart from other species. That being said, when it was introduced to the show, there were two people on the show, two of the actors that absolutely could not do it. One of the people, I'll give you this, was on one of the shows reviewed Amok Time, and it was the actor that played T'Pol, and she could not get her fingers to do that. So they used a clever camera trick to kind of hide her other hand positioning her fingers in place. Wow. But there was one other person that couldn't do this. Who was it? Is it in the same episode? No, no, it's not in the same episode, but it was in it's TOS. Hmm. Yeah, I think you need to give us the 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 show it comes from. Well, I'm gonna say it's Leonard Nimoy. I mean, not not Leonard. Oh God, D. Forrest <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's D. Forrest Kelly. Um, it is not. It's not. It is not. Okay. And it's what it wasn't a it wasn't a specific episode. This person could never do it throughout the episode. Like they they had to fishing line was used supposedly. Allegedly. Really. John, so instead of me and Kyle answering that question, let's pose it for the audience. What original series cast member could not do the Vulcan salute? If you know that answer, please send that into fans at discussingtrek.com or as always hit us up at discussing trek on any and all social medias. Thanks for the question, John. Yes, sir. So now we'll move on to our news section really quick. John, do you have any news for the audience? Uh, just a little bit of news, man. And I think this is incredibly interesting. William Shatner has agreed to take a trip to the edge of space on the Blue Origins rocket. Uh, I saw Red Hurt this somewhere. <laughs> he should really go to SpaceX because, you know, they said that that the uh, it's not space. Yeah, no. that's what they said about Blue Origin and the uh, Virgin Galactic. They're not really crossing the Carmen line, I think they call it. Yeah. But still freaking amazing. Nonetheless, the guy is 90 something years old. So he we... will be the oldest human being to ever go to space. Do we well, think this is a good idea? I'm that's, that's the question I'm asking you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if we're going to lose William Shatner, what better way? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. How dare you? I mean, seriously, if that was your life, like what better way to go out? Right. <laughs> Yeah, kind of. Honestly, yeah, kind of. But no, I'd be more no. disappointed if he died in a car crash or something like, I mean, yeah. uh, hopefully nothing happens. I'm praying nothing happens. We want William Shatner to live forever. But I mean, just saying. But just the rigors of the G-force and the, the flight the getting there, period. I mean, barring nothing else bad happens, just the rigors of the flight itself. 
I think would be a lot for him. Honestly, I think the Virgin Galactic might be easier for his age because the fashion in which it actually gets there is yeah, I think it's a, really. it's a little easier on the body. <laughs> and Virgin Galactic doesn't go really as high as Blue no, Origin. No, it doesn't. But like those G forces, man, it's that's that's nothing to joke around with. You had to train for that stuff. And, well, I mean, I think Bezos' Bezos' first crew took like a sixty-year-old or something. 70 year old but he was like a ex-air force pilot or something i don't know okay well then spacex just launched people that never had any space training they like trained for four months i think i don't <laughs> well he could trick shatner can train i mean he's, he's... gone warp not warp seven he can handle it <laughs> on tv <laughs> if it's on tv it's real oh okay i digress that's our story we're sticking to it <laughs> if it's on tv is real <laughs> Let's get into our review of Star Trek Lower Decks, Where Pleasant Fountains Lie. Where Pleasant Fountains Lie is the seventh episode of season two of Star Trek Lower Decks. The episode was written by Garrick Bernard and directed by Jason Zirik. Mariner and Boimler are stranded on an uninhabited planet with a sentient computer. Back on the Cerritos, Lieutenant Commander Billups must prove his engineering abilities to an old adversary. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. With that, we go to Cal Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. You never know. Cal Jones, what do you have for us this week? Okay, here we go. Computers executing programs can sometimes be equal to a parent initiating the grand design they set for their child. But it all comes down to this. To bleep or not to bleep? <laughs> that is the question. Oh, boy. Can we just rename this episode to bleep or not to bleep? I think that's a more appropriate title. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> John, John, thoughts on the episode, man. Bleeping horrible. <laughs> Bleeping horrible. <laughs> oh man, I, uh, <laughs> that's that's it. I don't. I don't. Listen, there. I've been praising them because of the <laughs> writing in these episodes, but like this was nothing. I hate to be critical, but like, be critical, dude. Be be totally critical. Tell tell us your truth. Your truth, man. <laughs> well, my truth was those first two words. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I think they thought they hit something a couple episodes <laughs> ago, and they're running with it now. Unfortunately, I can assure you, nothing got hit in this episode. <laughs> They did not raise our expectations. <laughs> Literally. Oh, oh. Boy. <laughs> and you just got it. Oh, Cal Jones, do you have any additional thoughts before we get into a few of the details of this episode? Bleep this episode. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I want to like this episode. There was this episode started off like oh this may be okay you just creep me out okay uh yeah uh yeah. no uh uh-uh. uh yeah 
I'm sorry. I just don't like it. It it was not for me. The, the, yeah, nah, nah. I just don't like it. So we have bleeping horrible bleep this episode. And what say you, my friend? What the bleep? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, dude. Like, okay, okay. Let's, let's, let's just look at it logically. Let's break this into two parts. We have the, the Mariner Boimler storyline, which I thought was pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I have no problem with it. Part for the course for Lord X. And then, I mean, somehow Carrie, several episodes back, he predicted all of this. He said they're going down some weird sexual path. And that's totally what they have done in this season. And this is the worst offender. This episode is the worst offender. I, I want to love Lord X, but I just have to think Gene Roddenberry is turning over in his grave. They found something that may have worked. And I think I was the only one of us that, you know, didn't really have too big of a problem with the Gamatos horn episode. (laughs) So, like, I thought it was good. It was funny. It was on the edge, but it was funny. But like, I think too many people, they may have got feedback that that was kind of funny to a lot of people. And now they're just running with it. It's like the guy that has the joke that thinks it's funny and one person laughs and he just keeps telling it to everybody. Yeah. That's how I feel. And to the point where there was no point to this story anymore. Like it seemed like the only point was to drive home the sexual references. (laughs) Okay. So here's the difference in my opinion. And I agree with everything you just said, Jonathan, but here's what I think's the difference. In that last episode we're talking about where Carrie makes the obvious, where he predicted the future here, and obviously rightfully so, I personally didn't connect some of the references that you guys did for whatever reason. And it wasn't that much in my face, especially in the ending, because I either had zoned out or didn't pick it up or whatever the case may be. This one, on the other hand, at the very beginning, gives me this awkward moment where it's almost insinuated that mother and child are about to have sex. And I'm like, what the meep? I don't like that. I mean, that that creeped. That's gross. That creeped me out. I yeah. Yeah, they have definitely taken it to a place I could have never imagined. In this case, it's a horrible thing. I really... Like John said, it's like when someone tells that first sex joke, you know, ah, they just keep on. They won't let it go. Right. And at this point, they've used they tried to use sex. And I can't believe I'm talking about this this much on a freaking Star Trek podcast. But they t- they talked about sex so much at this point. It's like, OK, do these writers have a problem? <laughs> <laughs> it's, Obviously. Is something wrong? I mean, it, once it's okay, but is, is this the driving through line of the season? You know, it's like Doctor Who, we have the crack in the wall, or we have something, the name of the doctor, that's the, <laughs> who's Clara? The the driver for this series is, is the sexual innuendo of the storylines. I'm just, it's... Okay, and, and I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but the, this is the equivalent of, are you ready for this? This is the equivalent uh, if in Doctor Who, they would have said that the doctor was inserting his sonic screwdriver in the crack in the wall. <laughs> oh, God. Literally. <laughs> Talk about a paradox. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, and, and I don't, you know, I know that there is a such thing as adult animation. I mean, we've got Adult Swim on Cartoon Network or whatever it's on. We've got you know, family guy for 20 years now. I know there's a such thing as that. That said, they don't go these places. <laughs> they, yes. Thank those you. Shows don't even, 
and not this and not for this um, like the entire length of the show that like it kind of goes back to the same thing i'm complaining about the humor of it like don't don't i don't i'm not, I'm not enjoying you trying to make me laugh like i want to laugh naturally i don't I'm, the slapstick humor just doesn't really attract me like you just there's no point to the story you just like hey let me run into the wall and see if it's funny like it's the same thing with these sexual references like Okay, I get it. You want to be an adult show. Okay, throw one in there, but make it be background noise reference, not in your face. This is all it is. Yeah, it's it's almost like when when someone is trying to be like male dominant, but instead of like actually being a man and doing the things a man would man would do naturally, they like go over the top and right. you know, wear the muscle shirts and you know try right. to be you know try to overtly just be don't show you know and 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 to the show's defense, I do get the message and what they're trying to say at least in the broader story of 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 the queen and and uh, Lieutenant Commander Billups. Well, fill me in. What are they trying to say? Because I missed it. it. It goes back to the grand design that I was saying about what the parent has set for their child. You're, you're, you don't take the child as serious but until you want something for one thing, and yet you also predetermine on what you think is best for the child. Is that where you were going? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. She is. And of course, it's, he has a whole monarchy thing, so it's a little bit different than the normal case. But it's it's the situation where the parent has the decision of what this child is going to be. Now, he, like, again, he has like <laughs> his, he, he's in a monarch. So, of course, he has a duty to be a king at some point. But he's chosen to give that up. And, you know, you can sort of like, say, um, Spock not wanting to go to the Vulcan Science Academy and going and join Starfleet. And so it's kind of that same story of not doing the predetermined path and trying to go and forge your own. Uh, but I mean, why couldn't that been just the story standing on its own? I so so let me ask you guys a question, if you don't mind. Is it because number one, this is a character that we really not, and I hate to use the word that popped into my head, but I'm just going to say it because that's where I was going. Is this a character that we've not touched uh, as far as being on screen, so to speak, much? Part of it. Second part of it is it because it's animated and the reason i say that is if you look back we've had and we did the ponfar episode with uh spot it's basically talking about him wanting to have sex that's the idea of that whole episode that said is it because it's cartoon and for me personally i'll go ahead and answer my own question the mother son in the window joke that was disgusting to me that's what set me and down the wrong path with it but do you guys think it's because of those elements, the cartoonization, that is maybe more of a turnoff? Well, uh, my opinion, I, I don't think it's any of that, honestly. I I mean, I get where you're going with it, Kyle. But, you know, the Ponfari episode, like, even if it was animated, I'd have been OK with it just because I mean, let, let's not let's not pretend like it's not. I mean, sex is part of human nature. Like we all have to deal with that at some point in our lives. Well. It's logical, no pun intended, to assume that if you suppress that emotion for so long, like eventually you have to deal with it. And that's the pump far. This case, I don't really there's no biological reason that's affecting him to have to do this. There's no you know what I mean? Like 
Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's no purpose. It served no purpose. Like, that's why I said it could have stood on its own without this. Like, I thought it was a great story that, hey, you know, I was very impressed. I was like, oh, wait. So he really is like, yeah, he could be a, a king in this awesome looks like superior technology. Right. Like he he actually part of something more important than we thought. And he chose Starfleet and he loves that. But they really want him back. That could have been a great story on its own until they threw all this other stuff into it. Like animated or not, I would have had a problem with this. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, it had so many great elements around it. And, you know, this ship to where it had similar tech, but they're calling it different things. I thought that was cool. I thought the look of the ship was cool, even though it kind of reminded me of something I'm not going to mention. But the look of the (laughs) ship was cool in Star Trek. But where they take it is just... It's it's just, just kind of invalidated all that stuff to me. And even the queen herself, Queen Paolana, I thought she was interesting in the fact that she almost reminded me of uh, Loxana Troy. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. being in, in that line of parents that are overbearing, <laughs> you know, for the person in Starfleet. And again, just like uh, Diana, she wanted to do her own thing. She didn't want to, you know, she, uh, Luxana was trying to get her to get married and find a man and stuff. She wasn't ready, you know, kind of the same similar tones, but, but I don't know. But man. She didn't go up to William Riker and say, <laughs> go bleep my daughter. <laughs> no, she was well. trying to get her own thing. <laughs> I mean, in so many ways she kind of did, but <laughs> well, listen, it, you know, it, it didn't, you know, even if they would have made a case that, I don't know. In this cult, like, I didn't even know. Are these so are these humans? They seem to be because I think I think Rutherford implied that they found this planet had dragons and a bunch of um, is it LARPers? Yeah, I forgot what he called it. But a bunch of people that like dragons and stuff went to live on this planet a long time okay. ago. I think that's what Rutherford was implying. See, and that, that that's what makes it a little like it should have been someone else on the crew. That it was of a different species and somehow that biological makeup, like once you have your first sexual experience, like changes your, which I mean, that happens for humans too. It changes <laughs> kind of the way you think about things. But I mean that like in order to be, to rule, you have to act. Something has like, there was no reason given to why he had to do this. Other sort than of he like just a had caterpillar to, to a butterfly right. to some degree. Right. Like there was no reason given why he had to do like, I don't see him acting any different than the rest of the people on this planet. And, and, and maybe they were trying to take, take that whole of a woman being a virgin in some cultures to be presented to a certain king or whatever. Maybe they were trying to take that and spin it on his head a little bit. I think you're right there. And I, and I you know, I want to go back to the fantasy thing for a second. I would have loved them to have just taken the whole part that we're talking about out and focused totally on technology that looked like magic versus technology that we know and kind of do the contrast and comparison to the fantasy genre versus the sci-fi genre. They could have done that. Yeah, that would have been awesome. And forgot all of this. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Like we said last time, it seems like they took the low-hanging fruit here. (laughs) <laughs> and, <laughs> and oh, st- stop! <laughs> and, <laughs> it it did not get anyone's attention. I'll put it that way. <laughs> oh man! Oh boy! Oh boy! 
Yeah. Um, again, I thought that storyline could have been interesting. And it's funny in all the promotion, promotional material I've seen, they never, they just mentioned the Jeffrey Combs. They never mentioned this part of the story at all. <laughs> good, good reason. Good reason. Uh, all right. Let's, let's get into maybe the more exciting or I don't know, the more interesting part of the episode. So we start the episode on a planet after a hundred year war was brought on by a rogue sentient computer called Agamus, voiced by Jeffrey Combs. Jonathan, can you tell me what other characters that Mr. Combs has portrayed in Star Trek over the years? It will probably be easier to tell you the ones he did not. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Combs has the uh, distinct honor as being the one actor that has portrayed the most the most different characters in throughout Trek. Uh, just for a few, and uh, the one he's mostly known for was DS9. He played the Vorta Wayun. Yep. Which was a great character, by the way. I loved him in that character. Iconic. Uh, yes. He also played, um, uh, and I forget his name, the Andorian that Jonathan Archer was dealing with on Enterprise. Yep. Remember him? Yep. For the longest. Uh, and another one of my favorite characters, uh, what was the Ferengi that for the FCA? No, I don't remember him. Um, uh, Brunt. Brunt? He was Brunt. Wasn't he Brunt? He was one of the Ferengi. I think it was Brunt. He was Shran on Enterprise. Shran. There you go. That's the guy I was looking he for. He played Tyron on Deep Space Nine as well. He played multiple characters on DS9. And he played another Ferengi on DS9, too. Okay, here we go. Here we go. He was a random character in the Hollow Suite. He played Soul Doc in a video game. He played Pink, Pink, P E N K, on DS9, I think. Tyron DS9. Oh, yeah, okay. He played Kevin Mulcahini in the uh, Far Beyond the Stars. Remember that? He was a normal person. Yeah. He yeah. Played, played Krim on, as a Ferengi named Krim on DS9. And Brunt. So he, I can't believe he played Brunt. Wow. <laughs> they play multiple Ferengi and of course Wei Yun and Tran, the biggest part part uh roles probably. Yeah. Yeah. He he he's he's been around. <laughs> yes, he has. Yeah, so it's cool to see that iconic voice come back as this crazy computer. So of course we, we get the situation where this computer has has caught Rick Tafik on this planet. Starfleet is gonna take it to actually first take it away from this planet so the planet can have some peace <laughs> but they're going to eventually take it to to daystrom so I, th- I think one of the funniest things about this was he kept trying to get reconnected <laughs> to another computer yeah that, that, that was probably the highlight of this one was just his gaffes at trying to get connected with his little tentacle thing <laughs> i loved his different approaches to that because it went from at first trying to just tr- straight up trick ransom to going on to trying to befriend Baumler and, you know, trying to split up the group, you know, Baumler and um, and Mariner. So I thought that was all pretty good. Yeah. Like, the, I think those little one-liners that he was saying was probably the parts that I smiled about. You know, especially he told Ransom, yeah, you don't look that strong. We'll see if you can throw me over there by that <laughs> network terminal. <laughs> and then Ransom's dumb butt thought about it. <laughs> And then he had those wires running from him. You think he'd be able to like use those as some like Doc Ock legs or something and just crawl over there? You would think. Uh, Kyle, what do you think about 
Mariner's insistence that Boimler is not ready can't cut it, you know, because it seems like there's been multiple episodes where she's kind of like tried to derail his efforts. If you would have asked that to me last episode, I would have given you a thoughtful how she's probably thinking something to the effect of kind of like a codependent relationship, which we've already kind of alluded to. Yeah. But considering the fact of what we got this episode, not excluding their story, eh, I don't know. I'm, I, th- this, this episode just really put me back <laughs> a bit in the way I was thinking about Lower Decks because I had gotten to a good place, positive about it, and, and don't get me wrong, I liked Mariner's story in here. And if I were trying to spin it positively, I would say that maybe she's trying to help him come out of his shell a little bit. And, and she's possibly going about it the wrong reasons, but maybe she has good intentions, perhaps, maybe. But I see her as, or maybe she's underestimating him, yeah, because maybe. obviously I think she did with this episode so maybe it's either one of those angles i'm not sure i'm still brain dead from the rest of this episode well i took it a little different approach i kind of assume i took it as she kind of didn't want to be without him Hmm. like she she already i mean obviously struggled with him going to the titan i mean she just she was going on a mission and she wanted him with her and, you know, she's not going to say that being Mariner. She's never going to say, I really wanted you to come with me. So she frames it as I'm trying to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of her hiding her fears. Right. Or or, or what? Because I, I see it kind of twofold. I kind of see it like I kind of see it as Boimler has been on the Titan. He's had more. I'm not going to say more because, of course, Mariner's been around. But I feel like he's had more experience that can allow him to grow recently and she's mentioned this before of her fear of people leaving her right and i think she feels like boimler is just about getting ready to leave again because because you know for all intents and purposes he should be moving up the ranks more quickly than her yeah just because he has that ambition and you know he puts in the work he really does yeah, I kind of feel like she's scared that he's going to leave. And the other thing is, I almost feel like she likes him, like likes him, likes him. I almost feel like that. I'm wondering, are, are we going to get any of that in, in the series? I I 100% think that you will. Like, I feel like they're building this as a romantic relationship. See, I disagree. I actually see it for the other two, Tindy and Rutherford. Yeah, I 100% oh, see it funny. for them. Yeah. Hmm. If they, but but I do not want to see both sets get together. I think that's just a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mariner's too chaotic. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm fine if it's Boimler and Mariner. I mean, I have no problem with that. I'm fine if it's the other two. I just don't want both sets because I just think that's improbable, and that says that you can't have a male and a female character without them hooking up. And yeah. I, I just, right. I, I don't like that. Yeah. They can just be friends. No, I, I totally get that. But I see that just friends thing happening with Tendi and Rutherford before Boimler and Mariner. Like I, I think, and I mean, we already kind of crossed that 
with Tendi and uh, Rutherford because what was the episode where they were just talking about when they weren't going to be friends or they stopped being friends and they were just talking about how good their friendship was. And it wasn't really the reasons they gave wasn't really wouldn't really make for a good romantic relationship anyway. Yeah, true, true. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention real quick. So they crash land on the planet and they and this gravity will causes the ship to crash. That reminded me of a, a, a almost a little bit of a Doctor Who story where a bunch of ships were crashed on a planet. Cal? Uh, a Doctor Who story that was a bunch of, uh, a bunch ships, of ships crashed on a planet is the Night of the Doctor is my first thought. Yeah, so yeah, Night of the Doctor, the 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 Brain of Morbius. Yes, the Brain of Morbius, yeah, same which is planet. same planet. Yeah, yep. yeah. So that's what that reminded me of a little bit. So it it reminded me, and I guess I should have looked this up before we did the show. Uh, you remember the Voyager episode where Tuvok and Paris got caught in like that gravity well, hmm. got pulled down to the planet, but that planet was out of time sync with the rest of space. So like every hour went by on Voyager, it was like a month or so on that. And he fell in love with the girl that was, well, the girl, a girl that was on that planet fell in love with Tuvok. It was a desert planet and there were ships that had crashed there and you can't leave because it like to fly back up through it was hard. I don't remember, but it looked, I mean, the planet, the terrain was pretty much the same style mm. and look. Same planet. Maybe. Uh, well, maybe. it was in the Delta Quadrant, so probably not. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Same concept, 100%. Uh, one more thing I liked about uh, Mariner mentions when they go to Daystrom that, that they should stop and get some Okinawa ramen, which we know that Daystrom is in Okina- Okinawa, Japan. Okinawa, Japan. So I thought that was pretty cool that she was going to stop and get some ramen while she was there. I just find it interesting that they're going back to Earth to, to drop this this computer, this crazy computer off. All right. And you know. to see that they've already collected <laughs> hundreds of, of and go and why did they all have to look like a PC tower? Yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> that was, that was in, weird. Oh, and, and just a little side note there: in the third row, third from the left, the PC tower, the the image on it looks a lot like the CBS I logo. Oh yeah, yeah. I did read something about that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, and, and you know, I like that storyline. I like Argamas, but really there wasn't a lot going on in that storyline. No. And again, they hit us over the head with these callbacks, and I didn't like that. Yeah, I didn't get yeah. a lot of callbacks in this episode. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't a lot, but it just, it was like thrown in there unnecessarily. So like the, oh. Uh, Something about Data's Mar- head. I yeah, remember. Mariner said, we can bury it like Data's head. And she's like, no, Data <laughs> was, was in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. uh, re- really and then the seven or nine a reference argument is made at the end yeah i'm like why like why are we doing this why why are we keep calling back unnecessarily like you just put that there to say oh there's an easter egg now i saw one fan theory um so we know mariner served on ds9 but i saw one fan theory that they're saying she and um, Captain Freeman were both aboard the Enterprise um, during TNG because someone showed this pic- picture of a girl with a ponytail that looked just like Mariners, um, and they linking it. They link it to say that she served or she was a child 
on the Enterprise and her mother was an officer of some type on the Enterprise. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll find the article and post it. I mean, it was kind of a stretch, but I thought Did it was Did they post cool. names or? No, I think this was an unnamed character, I believe. But but mm. there's there's no there's no picture or anything of Captain Freeman, of Carol Freeman. But this little girl, Ponytail, looks just like Mariner's. So I'll post a link somewhere so you guys can see it. Well, it's not like it's a unique ponytail, right? It's kind of long and floppy and I don't know. Maybe. I mean, most girls are each. I mean, okay. It was a black girl with a ponytail. What more can I say? Well, you know, they say we all look alike. (laughs) Ain't that right, Kyle? (laughs) I'm sorry, Kyle. I put you on the spot. I'll cut this out. I am not answering that question. (laughs) I'll cut this out. All right. Well, guys, I don't want to belabor this anymore. I don't I don't think there's a lot going on in this episode, honestly. A lot a lot of good going on anyway. <laughs> um there definitely wasn't anything going on at the end when we got the butt shot, so you know. Hmm. Really? Which Do we, we need the butt without. Do we yeah. need the butt shot? Do we need the butt shot? I'm sorry. No. <laughs> oh terrible. What does where Pleasant Fountains lie mean? Does anybody have any clue on what that means? That has to be some creative play on words. I I, I would bet it would have to be, but I don't know. I'm sure it's something sexual. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some kind of fountain. Why now? I don't know. I don't want to go there. Don't make me go there. Guys, we 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 are really trying hard. I, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. We're we're going to get ratings. Tell us how we're wrong because really, it we're seemed not. like it seemed like right when I was posed to start loving lower decks, it's just gotten this weird territory, and it all started with even even uh uh Magato Kamado. I think still was a pretty good episode, even though it had Agreed. that scene that I didn't like. But it just seems like they're going down a weird path. I don't know. I, I it just it feels weird, man. It feels weird. <laughs> it is weird. With that, let's get ratings and and Cal, um, tell us what what what's what's your rating for this episode? One. Fair enough. I say no more because that there was. Let me say this. One because there was one thing that turned me off to this episode. So one. <laughs> well, there's one thing that definitely didn't happen in this episode. If we can say that much. <laughs> Indeed. And I'm glad it didn't. And there y'all go with the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, uh, what is what is your rating for this episode, sir? Oh, man. Let me think about it. Because there was something one. <laughs> he, oh, you tried to give us false expectations here. <laughs> Just one. I don't, and I mean, do I need to explain why? Not really. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. really. I'm going to give it 1.5. Because, well, look at you, optimistic guy. You know, I, I I like the Mariner and Boimler stuff. I thought it was pretty good, even though I don't think there was enough of it to really satisfy. So it halfway got you there. <laughs> it yeah. halfway got me there. 1.5. <laughs> Not all the way. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. It didn't seal the deal. Let's try a little harder. <laughs> oh, All right. So with our one, one and one point five, let's move on to see what everybody has been working on podcast related or otherwise. And Kyle Jones, what about you, man? All right. Good deal. So for me, I am excited 
that tomorrow night we will be recording our review of the 2013 series of Doctor Who finale, The Name of the Doctor, and we will be joined by Shannon Perry from the Oz9 podcast. So really excited for that, and that episode, of course, will be coming out probably within the next three to four weeks from the date of this recording. So can't wait for that, and that can be found on Discussing Who at DiscussingWho.com. Awesome sauce. What about you, Jonathan? Uh, same as always, man. I do nothing but watch Star Trek and work. So if I had to suggest anything, man, DS9, I'm going through the last of the, well, close to the last of the series, season six. Uh, great episodes, man. Great freaking episodes. So I always advise people watch more Trek. You can never have enough of that. And if you get it all watched and you want to hear more Trek, you can go to discussingnetwork.com or discussingtrek.com and get some more of us talking about it. So that's always good as well. Yeah. And for me, not a whole lot other than I will say I am amped up to start watching Foundation on Apple TV Plus, which I need to re-up my subscription so I can check it out. I know nothing about it other than it's a science fiction series, and I heard it's very popular. So the books, I don't know about the show. I guess the show is going to be popular as well, but I can't I can't wait to to dive into some of that because I heard it's pretty interesting. So that's going to be my pick for this week. And with that, again, we have our question. Who is the original TOS cast member that could not do the Vulcan salute? Please send that on in with anything else you want us to hear about or talk about to fans at DiscussingTrek.com and hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. Thanks for joining, guys. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. doing in here? <laughs> Mon dieu! Ma petite oiseau! <laughs> I shall return! Really? The things I put up with on this ship. Be sure to subscribe to Oz9 wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. <laughs>